we are going to get a little ways into Hebrews 12 today. But we're not going to do the whole thing. It's kind of funny when I look and I see we're near the end of the book. I think, oh, I can't finish this in two weeks. That's too fast. There's no way. So I, I bet if I made a graph of how I go through these, we'd probably go really slow at the beginning of a book. And then we fly chapter, chapter, chapter through the middle. And then we get to the end and we do like four weeks on two chapters kind of thing at the end. That's just my guess. So um, I know you guys th are thinking it. There's a dumbbell in the pulpit. And for once, you're right. I've been waiting for that joke all morning. Now there's two dumbbells in the pulpit. No. So um, what if I just said, you know, it's New Year's. I'm trying to, you know, lose some weight and get in shape. So I'm just going to preach every sermon holding this. That won't be distracting, will it? No, it's fine. All right, so Hebrews 12. It's not distracting now. But here in about five minutes, <coughs> when I am like wet with sweat because I'm holding this thing, or if I drop it on my toe, it's, uh, yeah, it's 25 pounds just for reference. It's heavy. It's like children weigh this much. Um, it, it would show effect, wouldn't it? Like, and you might not even notice it right now. You might not even know I, I'm holding a 25 pound dumbbell. Okay. That was funny. <laughs> what in the world am I talking about? Well, let's read the Bible. Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Last week, we did the hall of faith, Hebrews 11. By faith, Abraham. By faith, Abel. By faith, Enoch. By faith, Noah. By faith, Jacob. All of these great people that live by faith now we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. It's not that they're watching us. And a lot of people have read this and there's paintings on the wall and whatnot. They're watching us. I don't want you to think of it that way. I want you to think of it like the day it got really slow at Harrison High School. And me and the other drum major, the band was practicing. We didn't have anything to practice. And the band director had us clean out this whole big long closet. I mean, it was like this whole aisle, it was real, this whole walkway, it was that far and that narrow, and it was just full of like 60 years of marching band garbage. We cleaned the whole thing out, and the band director had the maintenance man put shelves on the wall, went all up the wall, because mostly what we had in there were trophies from all these past years. And so the next week, when all, all of us came into practice, the walls were covered with this history of golden trophies and marble trophies all over the wall. And it was like, whoa, we are the marching warriors. We are a bit like, look, in 1965, we won state marching. Wow. 
you know, you see all that. And I think the band director hoped we would be inspired by that and play better and do better. That's what's happening right here. You are surrounded by this great lineage of people who have had faith. Abraham, Sarah, Elijah, Isaiah. This is who we're standing on. This is who we are being propelled forward by this great history, right? Yes. And so let's lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely to us. Oh, gosh. Like everything is harder with this in my hand. Yeah, I mean, I can even feel it in my, my left foot. Is, there's more pressure on the ground. Even everything. Gosh. So it does not take very much thought for me to not want to hold that. Right? And you would probably think I was stupid if I did. That's how we look at our sin after we let go of it. After you have repented of a sin, after you have put it off, after you have, watch this, put it away. Now I'm not going to be tempted to pick it up again. <laughs> when you have put away sin, you look back on that and you're like, what in the world? Why didn't I do that already? Why did I carry that around? So why did I pick that up another time? If it's not going to help me. Do you think that that big hallway of junk at the at Harrison High School probably never got filled up again once it got clean? Now that they had shelves, every time they got a trophy, they just put it on the shelf. Throw off. Let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. I don't know if you've ever run a race or if you've ever been in one of those things. You think about how bad your back hurts. You think about how much your foot hurts. You think about how tired you are. You think about how am I picking my feet up enough or am I going to stumble or am I going to trip? You think about all this stuff and there's just a thousand things on your mind. And then all of a sudden, there's a point where there's only one thing on your mind. And that is when you see the finish line. And you know, I only have to do this until I get to that. And then I can stop. And in that distance, you think, why was I so concerned about how bad my foot hurt? Why was I carrying on about how bad my back hurt? Why was I worrying so much about tripping on an acorn? This is all I'm running for. This is it. And you're so happy and you've crossed the finish line and you're like, I'm so glad I don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> I'm so we uh, we have a rowing machine and I, I row for a half an hour. And the first 25 minutes of rowing, well, the first five minutes are fine. The middle 20 minutes are terrible, you guys. 
But then when I cross that 25 minute mark and I think I only have to do this for five more minutes, that last five minutes just drops like nothing. It goes by so fast. Throw off your sin, lay it aside, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. So I used to make this joke at the rescue mission. Whenever somebody says repent, repent from your sin, they don't really have to tell you what to repent from. They don't have to list stealing hubcaps, watching bad movies, right? Because when somebody says repent from your sin, it doesn't take long to just ask the Lord, Lord, what sin do you want me to repent from? What, am I, what sin am I committing every day that I don't even know? I wish I had one of those cool uh, weight ankle weight things right now. Because I could pull it off and be like, I didn't even know. You didn't even know I was wearing this. You're right. I mean, there's sin that you go and you pick up and you do. And there's other sin that's just so much a part of your culture and so much a part of your lifestyle that you don't even realize that that's not something God likes. The Holy Spirit isn't inspiring you to do that. But it's so much a part of our culture, we do it. And I don't say that to be afraid. Jesus died on the cross for your sins. You're washed clean. You're white as snow. Blessed is the man whose sin does not count against him. But when you're running a race with endurance, and you want endurance, and you want to run what's ahead of you, if there is sin weight on you, it is slowing you down. And it is weakening you and it is unnecessary. Jesus has freed you from that sin. So it sounds hard to let go of it. But when you set your eyes on Jesus, he is so worth it. He is so worth throwing down that thing. He is so worth giving up that thought process or that song that you replay in your head that I'm stupid or I'm not good or I'd never do that or I could never be that. No. Jesus died for that and took it away. Let us run. Run with endurance. The race that is set before us looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. How can the writer of this say, throw off your sin and look ahead to Jesus? Because he's saying that's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus is our hope. He is our future. He is our, he is our certainty. And so I can throw off anything to go after him because for the hope that was set before him, he endured the cross. Okay, wait, let's slow it down. The hope that was set before Jesus was set before him and he looked to it and ran after it. And the cross was part of his running and he endured it. So what do you think the hope was that Jesus was looking forward to. We don't know. 
I'm going to give you a couple options, a couple things to think about. You can think about some more. What if that hope that he was looking forward to was the father raising him from the dead? And can you imagine all of these people don't believe me? All they want is miracles from me. I really want them to believe. Now they're going to kill me. But I'm invincible. What a show of everything that I said was true if I'm completely invincible and now I'm back. Wow. What if the hope set before him was the fact of what he said at the Last Supper? If I go away, I am going away so the counselor can come. So the Holy Spirit couldn't come because no sin can dwell with God. But if Jesus takes away our sin, now we can be in the presence of God. And so for the hope set before him, he endured the cross. What if that hope was that his spirit wouldn't just be a teacher talking, but would be inside of our soul? Inside talking to us in our head. In the, our hearts made of flesh with our, his law written on our hearts deep down, no longer hearts of stone. What if that was his hope? Wow. For the hope set before him, he endured the cross. That is the worst, worst thing in the world. I banged my finger on the washing machine last night and I was really grumpy for about 10 minutes. <laughs> and then it got to feel better. Caleb was nodding and said, yes, he was grumpy. And that now, I mean, I got a little purple tinge on there, but otherwise I don't even know that it happened. There, the pain of the cross only went away when he died. It, it was awful. And at any minute he could have stopped it. He had the power to stop it at any moment. But for the hope set before him, he endured the cross. It wasn't just physical pain. It was shame. He was spit on. His beard was pulled out. People stood there while he was gasping for air and made fun of him and mocked him. And he could hear them. And he endured that. And is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who from this is verse three, him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint hearted. If I'm walking down the street and somebody yells at me and then they go on and I don't even know what they said. What effect does that have on me? It has as much effect on me as I want it to. Right. I can spend the rest of my day cussing that person mad. For a while, I'm going to think maybe they're right when they said, I don't even know what he said, but he's probably right. Right? He considered Jesus. Look to him. He endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so you will not grow weary or faint-hearted. Sometimes you just want to give up. Gosh, this is pointless. What am I even doing here? Why am I even trying 
right? Why even get out of bed? Look at Jesus. Jesus got yelled at. He got all kinds. I mean, not even talking about the cross. All kinds of other stuff happened to him. And he kept going because it was his father's will to keep going. In your struggle against sin, now this one's a little scary. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. There's an emphasis in there, whatever translation you have, in that you haven't struggled against sin to the point of flesh and blood, but there's a distinct possibility that you may. You may have to. You may have that opportunity. In this time... Within these people's lifetimes, Christians would be fed to lions for sport and fed to bears as a sport. He could be referring to that. He could just be referring to getting stoned like Stephen was stoned to death. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation? The cheering on that addresses you like sons. What? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastises every son whom he receives. The Lord disciplines those he loves? What? And chastises every son whom he receives. It is discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which you have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. So there's a real important thing to hear in here. It's not that every bad thing that happens to you is God trying to discipline you and make you better. That's terrible. That's a lie from hell, and you can just throw it out, okay? God did not create evil. God created freedom. God created freedom and love. And part of that freedom and love is I allow my kids to go out in the rain without a coat on. And that's their choice. And I'm making it really dumb and simple here. I give them a choice to go out in the cold without a coat on, without a hat, whatever. Now, it is loving to say, wear coat, wear hat, because I'm raising them up, all that business. But let's go back to Adam and Eve. If it was robot Adam and robot Eve that have no choice, that have no say, and they have to do everything God does, and they don't even have any will in it then are they loving when God when they say they love God are they not just following the program I love God right but God gives them a choice because he knows that he loves them so much that when they sin and when they fall that will give him an opportunity to show his mercy and his kindness wow so it's not good and evil or equal God is bigger. God is better. God is greater. And evil has entered the world. And it's an opportunity for God to show mercy. And he uses every opportunity to show mercy. God is always showing mercy with every act of evil. 
which is really wild. So the devil does something. Jesus said, the Son of Man came to destroy the works of the devil. That, there's not many places Jesus says exactly in a sentence why he came. But one of the times he says it is to destroy the works of the devil. So how does he destroy the works of the devil? Takes what God meant. The same thing with Joseph. Takes what man intended for bad and God works it for good. So it's not that God's making the clay to build things. But the devil is making the clay. The devil is making the plastic pellets that God is taking over to his factory and vacuum forming into millions and millions of Burger King cups. <laughs> and he is making good out of the works of the devil. So all of this to say, endure hardship as discipline because God's treating you as sons. If you weren't sons, you'd be illegitimate children. So we go to the playground and my kids are playing on the playground and they do something wrong and they do something bad. I mean, I'm just saying hypothetically. Hey, child of mine, don't do that. Child of mine does it again. I say, hey, child of mine, you need to go sit in time out because you did this and I told you not to do it and it's bad. We both watch another kid who's not child of mine do the same thing. And we say, stay away from that kid because he's doing that. Why don't I go scold that kid? Sometimes I do. Sometimes that happens. Hey, kid, quit doing that. <laughs> hey, kid, stop it. Probably not likely to put that kid in timeout. Not likely to take away that kid's video game privileges. Right? Why? Because it's not my kid. I'm going to do some. I'm going to try to help. I'm going to try to provide some input, but I'm going to discipline my own kids a whole lot more because they're my kids. There's another thing that comes into play here, culturally speaking, that that would would resonate with first century people is that the other thing that's at stake here is the inheritance. So if you had kids with other wives and all that business, those kids would not be in your line to get your inheritance. No, no inheritance for stepkids or half kids or whatever, whatever they, their term would be. Only your right kids get an inheritance. So when we endure hardship as discipline from God, we set our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, because there is an inheritance involved here. That all the riches that Jesus has are being made to be ours. That we are receiving. So, kid at the playground doesn't have to listen to me because I'm not going to serve him dinner that night. And all the legacy of my life is not going to be a part of that kid's life, right? I'm only a part of that kid's life for like 15 minutes at the park. And then I might not ever see him again. But my children are my children. They're going to be the parents of my grandchildren, right? And so I care deeply about their discipline. Here's God. If, if I can do all this stuff and I'm sinful and I'm a jerk without the Holy Spirit, 
how much more so is God going to do it in his pure and perfect way? So every hardship that comes, we can look to Jesus and we can be like, Jesus, what are you showing me here? I have a friend, my friend Rick, and when he goes through a hard thing, he prays, Lord, what are you trying to show me? Because I do not want to retake this class. <laughs> I don't want to do this homework over and over again. Show me, teach me. We can have that same attitude. Show me, Lord. Show me today what I'm learning in this long class. How do I carry this hardship? What is it? And it's perfect that it's in this order that it's in because we know it's a hardship and it's just a result of the fallen world or it's a result of, of people's choices or whatever because we, verse 1 and 2, we've already thrown off our sin that weighs us down. Sometimes the endure hardship as discipline is a thing where God says, you know, I'm really trying to show you this stupid thing that you do every day needs to be let go of. Gosh, the Lord cares about us so much. All of this comes out of Hebrews 1 through 11, how great Jesus is. He's better than Moses. He's better than the angels. And he loves us so much. He's not just disciplining us for fun or just because he's angry or just, oh, no, he loves us so much. If you are left without discipline in which we've all participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. There are so many people who have hopeless hardships happening to them this week. And they're in the hardship. Uh, we used to talk about this with guys at the rescue mission. It's like if I make a bad decision, it might cost me like 40 bucks. Like in a check fee, or if I make a bad decision, it's that I bought the wrong thing and now I have to buy the right thing. And it's not that cataclysmic, right? It seemed like guys at the mission, they would make a bad choice and it was just like, they would get kicked out of the mission and be really homeless. They would land in jail for 30 days and have all their stuff stolen out of their bunk. It was like a bad decision for them was just like falling off a cliff versus a bad decision for me was just like, oh, shoot, that's going to cost us 20 bucks. Doesn't seem like the same magnitude, right? I don't know why that is. and I don't have an explanation for that. But I know that when we look at our hardships and we look at our difficulties, it can be hopeless. Why did this bad thing happen? This is, what could I have even done to prevent this? This is hopeless. And you can, you can cut that off. Through the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, right? Kindness, tenderness, self-control. And there is a hope in there that, okay, God is doing something. He wants to bring about peace, maybe? Tenderness, self-control. There's something God wants to do. And as soon as you think God wants to do something in this, you have just busted through that hopelessness. You've just broken that, that shackle. You've thrown off that weight. 
He cares for you. Besides this, we have earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they, our earthly fathers, disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But God disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. It is super important not not to dishonor my dad, but he did a terrible job of disciplining me. (laughs) And if my view of God was shaped by how he disciplined me, I would have a lie for my view of God. Up at the top where it said, throw off your sin, throw off every weight that entangles you. If your view of God has been severely messed up by how your dad disciplined you, that's a good thing to throw off. Not to dishonor dads, God bless them, you know, whatever. But there's a truth about who God is and how he disciplines us that's in the Bible that was written by God that's better and it's true than what we've learned. Therefore, lift your drooping hands, strengthen your weak knees, make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. All of that, you guys, let's run after Jesus. Let's wake up in the morning and cry out to him and say, Jesus, what do you have for me today? Let's go to bed at night, head on our pillow and say, Jesus, thank you so much for today. Most of it really stunk, but I'm enduring hardship as discipline because you're treating me like a son or a daughter and I'm looking to see what you're doing. We really can fill every moment of our day. Uh, The whole uh, pray without ceasing I've heard people say, how is that even possible to pray without ceasing? And the person that said that was constantly scared of politics and world events and all. Oh, oh, and and the Democrats and the Republicans and Lebanon and Syria and Israel and the giant ape men and the lizard people and the aliens. and They were praying without ceasing. They just weren't praying to Jesus. We really can lift your drooping hands, strengthen your weak knees, make straight paths for your feet. Make straight paths for your feet. If there's a sin that is entangling your feet, stop it. Get rid of the thing. Run the race. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness of without which no one will see the Lord. There's a great commentary I saw, and it said, strive for peace with everyone. And it said, see earlier note about resisting sin to the point of blood. You won't be able to have peace with everyone. There is going to be some difficulty. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble. And by it, many become defiled. 
that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau. What? Now Esau gets brought up. Who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. Esau. What did he have? Just this moment. Oh, I'm so hungry, I'm going to die. He had this physical need that is a real physical need, but he kind of blew it out of proportion. Does it sound like anything else? A completely natural physical need blown totally out of proportion that he would give anything just for a bowl of soup. I always think it's a joke because I hate lentils. And every time I read that, I'm like, that is like the worst thing to give up your whole birthright for. Like the banana flavored Twinkies? Now you might have me. But lentil soup. This little short moment of temptation. I would give anything if I could just experience that. If I could have this pain relieved. If I could have this need that I've blown out of proportion met. Gone. All right, I'm going to give you homework. <laughs> I'm not going to talk about it now. A great prayer to pray and a great thing to read is Isaiah 35 in this context. Um, I was, one, of the, one of the pastors I was with yesterday, they said, in our tradition, we read a lot of our prayers, so I'm going to read a prayer. And I thought, in my tradition, we read prayers too. It's called the Book of Psalms. <laughs> it's called the Bible. <laughs> Isaiah 35, you guys. Don't read it now. We won't talk about it. Maybe we'll talk about it next week. But um, let, it, let it be a prayer and an inspirer for you. Because this, this book of Hebrews, it is so timely for us, even right now, to just run after Jesus with all of your might. Difficulty, prosperity, doubt, and faithfulness. Run after Jesus. Set your eyes on him and your perspective of every other thing in the whole world will totally change forever. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for dying on the cross. For the hope set before you that might be might be us right here, sitting here. This might be the hope that they're talking about. The hope set before you. You endured the cross and died for our sins. You rose from the dead and you bring us right into the throne room of God. And we can sit and talk to you like a kid. Thank you so much, Lord. Strengthen us in all these things. We love you. Amen. All right.